Checking In, a podcast from Self Magazine. I'm Carolyn Kilstra, the Editor-in-Chief of Self, here to help you work through life's big and small questions about health and wellness. The beginning of a new year is a time when a lot of people tend to refocus on their health. New year, new me, and all that. Not coincidentally, this is also a time of year when people talk and think about weight and weight loss and healthy eating a lot. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about these topics too, but maybe not in the way you might expect. That's because our listener question today comes from someone who's dealing with a lot of confusion and conflicting emotions around the ideas of weight loss and healthy eating. His doctors and loved ones keep telling him that he needs to lose weight to be healthy, but he's got a nagging feeling that that might not be the full picture. Hey, Self, it's Robert calling from New York City. My weight has definitely fluctuated in my adult life. And flash forward to business school a few years ago, you know, I put on for myself a substantial amount of weight. And that was at a time that also my doctor put me on some blood pressure meds and kind of has said, you know, if you were able to lose a little bit of weight, like I could probably take you off these blood pressure meds ASAP. You know, every appointment I have, obviously weight is is a primary concern and kind of suggestions of different diets uh, that I could go on uh, in order to bring my weight down. Is weight loss the right or the easiest answer to kind of deal with uh, a medical situation like high blood pressure or kind of what could the other options be that could be equally as, as valuable and, and beneficial? A lot of people have been in Robert's shoes before, being told by a doctor or a loved one or even by a stranger on the street that weight loss is the most important thing you can do to achieve better health. That's how a lot of healthcare providers are trained, for starters. And our society is fatphobic in a lot of ways, including in how we view health. And it's a message that's reinforced culturally in a huge range of ways. This idea that you can tell how healthy or unhealthy someone is just by looking at them or knowing their weight. And also that the best and most effective way to become healthier is to become smaller, to lose weight. The truth is that this is a misguided, incomplete, and genuinely harmful way of thinking about health, wellness, and healthy eating. And more and more experts are recognizing that there's probably a better, more effective, and more humane approach to helping people live healthier lives. We've covered this topic extensively itself. So when I heard Robert's question, I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to. Well, when we both started out, we used to take on a weight loss approach with people who wanted to lose weight or people who were indicated for weight loss um, by their healthcare provider. This is Wendy Lopez. When she says we, she's talking about herself and her good friend and business partner, Jessica Jones. They're both registered dietitians with master's degrees in nutrition. They're also certified diabetes educators who love to eat, cook, and talk about nutrition. They have a podcast together called Food Heaven, and they both write articles about nutrition for self. We'll link to their column in our show notes. Anyway, as Wendy was saying, for years, they used to take a weight loss approach to nutrition counseling. At the beginning of their careers, they often used tools like BMI, which is body mass index, a number calculated from a person's height and weight. Healthcare providers often use this number to decide whether or not they recommend weight loss. The thing is, science shows that BMI is far from a perfect indicator of a person's health. Over the years, Wendy and Jess started to feel less and less comfortable with that approach, and they began to shift how they work with people and the advice they give. We shifted because we saw very quickly that it just wasn't effective. There's so many um, factors that 
influence our weight, especially genetic factors and kind of how that can impact our risk for chronic conditions. Um, and in my experience, it just wasn't effective to like continuously recommend weight loss. And, you know, patients would do everything that um, that I was told that they should do based on like my academic training, and it just wasn't sustainable. Um, and so when finding out more about like the intuitive eating model and the health at every size model and also the science behind it, I saw it as a more effective way to develop an enjoyable and sustainable relationship to food. Intuitive eating and health at every size are approaches to health, wellness, and nutrition that are going to come up a lot in today's episode. So let's define them. Here's Jess. Intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework which integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought when it comes to eating, which is basically a fancy way of saying, rejecting the diet mentality, honoring your hunger, making peace with food, um, making sure that you are eating foods that are satisfying. Wendy and Jess really like to use intuitive eating principles in their work with clients. And we'll go into some more detail about that in a bit. Meanwhile, here's Jess again. Health at every size is an, another framework that is also evidence-based that says that we can, we all can pursue health at every size and also acknowledges that for the majority of people, weight loss isn't sustainable long-term. And so let's work on, um, you know, being more weight inclusive in our approach to, to health and wellness. And focusing on other ways to, to live healthfully. Exactly. exactly. So to recap, intuitive eating is a set of principles for eating as well as for relating to food and your body. The registered dietitian, Christy Harrison, wrote a story for self explaining intuitive eating and debunking a lot of myths about it, and we'll link to that in the show notes too. But the very broad takeaway here is that intuitive eating encourages you to listen to your body, honor your hunger cues, and reject dieting and strict rules around food. Meanwhile, health at every size is a philosophy that says that you can pursue health and do healthy things no matter what size you are, that you can be healthy at any weight, that you can do things that are good for you without having to lose weight first. Intuitive eating and health at every size often go hand in hand, particularly in their rejection of dieting. For people who are new to these terms or ideas, that might sound really radical at first. We've been told our whole lives that thinness is the key to health, and that if you're fat or bigger bodied, it's important to lose weight to be healthy. But proponents of intuitive eating and health at every size say that dieting and intentional weight loss can actually be deeply harmful and unhealthy. Here's Wendy again. Oftentimes with weight loss comes dieting, restrictive dieting. And so um, you might be cutting out large food groups. You might be um, significantly cutting down your calorie intake, or you might be um, exercising a lot in a way that's just like not sustainable. And so long term, what we see in the science is that um, for most people, weight loss doesn't last long term. Like maybe you might see an initial weight loss, but then like when we look at like a five-year benchmark or, you know, 10 years, you see that it just kind of cycles. You might end up gaining even more weight. And so our approach is instead of focusing on weight loss, why not focus on lifestyle factors that can help you improve your health without all of that added pressure to lose X amount of pounds, you know? And because with that comes a lot of stress and, um, 
and your relationship to food becomes very mechanical. Um, and it's not about what you like anymore. It's about how can I eat to look a certain way or to reach a certain weight. And so just kind of shifting that. And I have found that, yeah, people are just happier when, um, when they take on that approach. It's less stress. This isn't to say that your weight and your health aren't connected. But what proponents of intuitive eating and health at every size advocate is that there are so many other wonderful, more enjoyable, more sustainable, and more effective ways to take care of your health than dieting. Wendy and Jess incorporate this model when they talk to clients about a range of health issues, including diabetes. And so we really try to focus on, okay, what are the things that we can modify? And people often forget that physical activity is uh, so important and can be so powerful in managing your diabetes. So that's one of the things that we talk about a lot. And that typically for a lot of my clients, just being a little bit more active can help bring down their, um, their blood sugar. So that's one thing. And then my approach is really focusing on what can we add to our diet. So adding more whole grains, um, adding more uh, fruits and vegetables, adding more beans and legumes, and, and less on like cutting out all the carbs and like never having any sweets again, because that's not really an effective approach long term. And shifting your mindset in this way can be really motivating, especially if you're someone who has struggled with one impossible diet after another for a long time. I think they end up feeling like a, a relief, like, oh my God, maybe it wasn't me this whole time that just was a failure. And maybe I can, you know, just focus on my behaviors, which we know independent of weight loss, these health-promoting behaviors, like we mentioned exercising and including fruits and vegetables in your diet and not um, smoking and not having excessive alcohol intake, like those things can help you achieve you know, good health outside of weight loss. We're not saying that everybody is going to be healthy because again, there's a lot of health that we can't control. A lot of it is like socioeconomic, you know, status mm -hmm. as well, right? Like maybe you don't have access to food or maybe you're so stressed out because you're working multiple jobs that the stress is having a really negative impact on your health. Um, independent of, of weight or anything else. So I think looking at the person as a whole and really just trying to understand them is the strategy I use. And it seems to be pretty effective. So what does this look like in practice? Robert has high blood pressure, also known as hypertension. His doctor suggested that he diet to lose weight as a way to lower his blood pressure. But is it possible to address his health condition without focusing on weight loss as a goal or without having to adhere to strict food rules? One of my family members has high blood pressure too. And in addition to weight loss, his doctor has also counseled him to limit his sodium intake in his diet. I understand the value in rejecting dieting and focusing on healthy behaviors in general, but I was curious how to reconcile intuitive eating principles with health conditions that actually do require some rules around your food intake, like with sodium, for instance. Wendy had a really great answer to that. I think that that's where flexibility uh, comes in because with hypertension, for example, um, you don't have to cut out all sodium. That would be impossible just because, like, Right. You know, all like most foods contain some kind of sodium. Flexibility is really important um, with specifically with hypertension, um, thinking about where your sodium is coming from. And um, especially in the United States, most of us consume um, high amounts of sodium from processed food. And so it's not saying like you have to cut out all processed food because is that realistic for most people? Probably not. But like, OK, well, how can I kind of restructure my meals to maybe incorporate less processed foods, um, 
less high salt. Maybe like if you really like cheese, maybe you want to go for like a cheese that doesn't have as much salt, for example. So you can still um, get the satisfaction from the cheese, but maybe um, you're a little more mindful of like the sodium intake in that way. And so it's more of a conversation. It's not like these are the rules. I remember when I first got out of college, we would do the list. We would say, this is what you can eat and this is what you can eat. And it's like, (laughs) I'm looking back and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe that I gave that out to people because it should be a conversation like, okay, well, you know, how, how does this all sound to you? What are some things that you would be open to incorporating? This kind of negotiation brings us to another term that Wendy and Jess use a lot, gentle nutrition. And that's like for somebody who has diabetes or somebody who, you know, their health is a priority for them, where you incorporate nutrition in a way that isn't so intense. So for me, like counting macros that wouldn't be gentle nutrition. For me, gentle nutrition is my plate, the my plate method, which is like, and I kind of do my own my plate, which I try to do like one third vegetables, one third protein, um, one third starch on the plate. Like that's gentle. It can be remixed. It do, it's not exact. Maybe I'll get it at a couple meals a day. Um, and it's it doesn't require too much thought, but it is, you know, supporting my health like kind of overall. Yeah. So with gentle nutrition, you're still being mindful of nutrition, just not in a diety way. So you want to be mindful that you're getting enough protein, that, you know, you're nourishing your body with carbohydrates, that you're getting enough fiber, like it all, you know, like functional nutrition too. So like you want to eat the fiber. So you're, you're not backed up. (laughs) Like it all makes sense, but it's not like you're not eating whatever, Mm -hmm. like 300 grams of fiber a day. Like it's not that serious. Like, it's it all works also like for people who have been restricting for a long period of time your body might not feel so great where you're incorporating gentle nutrition because your body's very out of whack like you don't have any routine in place you don't know what what it feels like to incorporate a balanced um, plate regularly and so that will take some time and exploration. um, And you kind of have to figure out what that looks like for yourself. So I just want to put that out there. It doesn't just come naturally where you're like, oh, this feels good in my body. Like for some people, it takes time to kind of settle into that, what it means. It takes work to get into your body like this and to develop a sense of what actually feels good to you versus what you think might be the healthy choice because of what you've read or been told is healthy. You know, based on... um, our culture, we all have our thoughts around certain foods and like, I should feel better when I eat the spinach. I should feel worse when I eat the ice cream, you know, kind of just like stripping all of that away and coming into it very neutral. Yeah. Because sometimes depending, like I can feel better if I eat a piece of pizza than a salad. Absolutely. Like for sure. (laughs) Okay. So that was a lot of useful information. It's certainly not easy to unlearn a lifetime of anti-fat bias but it can be really freeing to stop worrying about weight loss and start focusing on all the other positive, beneficial things you can do for your health. I think that's a New Year's resolution we can all get behind. Unfortunately, though, just because you change your approach to health and weight doesn't mean that everyone else will. So after a quick break, we're going to talk about how to get the support you need and deserve from your loved ones. Welcome back to Checking In. Today, we're talking to Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones, registered dietitians who counsel health at every size and intuitive eating principles over weight loss or restrictive diets. 
So let's say you're working on making those shifts for yourself. What about when people in your life just don't understand? I've gotten comments from both my husband as well as you know, my parents. My husband kind of wraps it up in this, I want you to live forever, I want to go gray with you, you know, I don't want your weight or healthcare problems to be something that causes you to, <laughs> it sounds morose, but die earlier than I do. It is coming from a warm place and, you know, my parents are, are a little bit more about comments of, you know, whether you like it or not, people see weight, that's the first thing they see and, you know, that also is, is it's, it's, it's not an easy pill to swallow. How do I just mentally kind of process comments like that. First, let's start with Robert's loved ones. His family's commentary about his weight is really stressful and hurtful to him, even though he believes that they mean well. He wants to know if there's anything he can do about it, if we have any advice for how to make it stop. Jess tries to help her clients with these types of conversations pretty frequently. What sometimes I'll do with clients is role play, where they can practice like advocating for themselves with their, you know, family or friends or whoever. And so sometimes it's just like having that conversation of like what's helpful and actually what's hurtful. Because I think a lot of people, they think they're being helpful and it's actually causing harm and they don't realize that. Um, Even doctors, because again, they are just looking at a number and they're trained to be like, oh my God, BMI is 30. Okay, well, we need to talk about weight loss. When you came in for a pap smear, (laughs) you know, I have a lot of clients where they don't want to go to the doctor because of the weight stigma. So being able to advocate for yourself, having those conversations, just saying, hey, you know, this is helpful. I really don't want to talk about my weight. This can be scary. Asserting a boundary often can be. It also really sucks that fat people and people with bigger bodies have to deal with this at all instead of everyone else in their lives realizing that they're being hurtful. And sometimes you may have to tell people twice um, because, you know, people can be hard-headed. But usually, like, I have many clients where they've had these conversations with family who has, from when they're, like, a child, have made comments. or And that's where a lot of, like, their trauma around food comes from. And usually it, it, it ends up working out pretty well. And it it's like creates like a vulnerable, like heart to heart moment with whatever that person is. And most of the time they end up backing off and they realize that the harm that they've done. Okay. Now let's talk about dealing with weight commentary from your medical provider. As we covered earlier, Robert's doctor often badgers him about his weight and recommends diets as a solution. And that's honestly a problem. It's not a helpful approach, as we've discussed, and can in fact be really harmful. There's a lot of research that shows that people with bigger bodies may avoid going to the doctor because they're afraid of being shamed for their weight, like Robert feels. And there's good reason for that, because there's also a ton of research that shows that a lot of medical providers hold really negative beliefs about fat people. And that can absolutely impact the quality of the care that they give. In fact, there's another self-article written by the incredible anonymous writer, Your Fat Friend. She shares tons of research and statistics that we'll link to in the show notes all about this. But in short, her article is about how anti-fatness and sizeism among medical providers can have life-threatening effects. Robert says that he's had the same doctor for many years. They have an otherwise good relationship, and he's hesitant about how to approach him. Here's what Wendy suggests. 
I know oftentimes it's like, we'll get a new healthcare provider, but it's really, really hard to find a healthcare provider that incorporates health at every size. And so a lot of times it's like, you just got to work with what you got. Um, and I know it could be super intimidating to have these conversations with healthcare providers. As a healthcare provider, I have anxiety talking to my healthcare providers about these things. And so I think like what just said, just kind of like humanizing your experience and say like, this is how I feel when you focus on my weight. Um, it doesn't make me feel good. Um, you can also say like, I don't want to be weighed. You know, I had patients when I did take on that weight loss approach where it was just part of the clinical practice and I had a scale and they would, um, you know, and I would weigh them. And some patients would tell me, I don't want to get weighed. And um and that's your mm -hmm. right. And they, you know, they can't force you to like get that weight. Um, there's also a lot of resources. Wendy and Jess both suggested looking at nutritionist and writer Lindo Bacon's website, where there are tons of resources, including materials specifically about navigating healthcare visits. There's also these cards. They're called Don't Weigh Me cards. Um, and they're free. You can get them online. And it gives you guidance on how to talk to your doctor about um, weight loss, how to navigate that topic with them, and also giving them education and resources on what health at every size means. Jess had another piece of advice that could work even if you aren't able to convert your doctor to a health at every size model. You can also ask the doctor, what advice would you give me if I was thin? Because there mm -hmm. are people who are thin who have chronic conditions like hypertension. And so are you just giving them like the same, like, okay, well, you have to lose weight. No, you're going, going into more detail. So can they get that detail too? Hopefully the doctor knows that detail. Another way to practice self-advocacy at your doctor's office is to remember that weight loss isn't always universally positive for your health. So what we know is that pe when people go up and down in their weight, which is the case for most people, because like we said, most people can't maintain that weight, weight loss long-term, that has detrimental um, effects on our cardiovascular health, which has been one of the things that's very specific that's been studied. And so that would be another reason why I would be hesitant for this person to follow you know, their doctor's very one-dimensional weight loss advice, because it's probably going to be detrimental long-term. So to recap, set boundaries if you can. It's totally okay to tell a loved one or even your doctor that you don't want to discuss your weight. Arm yourself with information and resources that could help you be a stronger advocate for yourself. But also, you don't have to explain yourself if you don't want to. If you don't want to go into all the detail with the research and the evidence, because it's like, who... The Ain't nobody got the energy for that most of the time, not even myself. <laughs> so it's like, it's just what you're saying is not helpful. And I think that that's a great opportunity to incorporate boundaries, just saying like, it's it's off the table. This is not something that I'm interested in talking about. I don't want to talk about my weight. I don't want to talk about um, my food choices. I don't want you policing my food choices. And, and that is, there's a way to do that in a way that doesn't shut people out, especially loved ones. And so I think, you know, you can have a very gentle conversation, whether it's with your provider, whether it's with your partner, whomever, just saying, you know, um, this is this is what I want. Um, and you have to respect that or else like there will be no conversation whatsoever about this. Robert, I really hope this was helpful. We're wishing you luck in having these conversations with the people in your life and in pursuing health in a way that makes you feel genuinely good. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Self on Instagram at Self Magazine, and I'm at Carolyn Kilstra. On our audio team, supervising producer is Odelia Rubin, lead producer is Haley Faker, executive producer is Shara Morris, producer is Phoebe Unterman, associate producers are Andrea Batanzos and Kate Mishkin, and sound engineer is Scott Somerville. On the Self team, the editorial lead is Sarah Yalowitz, digital director is Amy Isinger, researchers are Amy Marturana Winderall and Colleen de Belfon. The theme music is by Biscuit and Butter, courtesy of Blaze Unlimited LLC. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Neon Hum Media. Thanks for listening. See you next week.